Mike, before we, you got here, that last night I was feeling like I couldn't sleep and I read one chapter from your book that I bought and and I relaxed so much I was asleep in no time and insomnia has been a big deal for me over these last 15, 20 years. And um, lately with breathing and, and knowing that I'm already there has really been helping both Alan and I. So thank you so much. Yeah, great. That was one of the first uh, beneficial side effects. People would, the talks would put them to sleep. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Good effects in their life. <laughs> Yeah, because if there's relief, there's a burden before, yeah? So when you feel relief, it's from a burden in a sense. Yeah, there's something there that you're not, let's say, aware of that's pretty heavy or whatever. And so, uh, you know, at that, at that point, our ability to adapt is a disadvantage in a way because we adapt to shit that we, you know, that's intolerable. So after a while, you're walking around with a very heavy backpack, and uh, you're just, you know, and it's affecting every little trip and journey you go on. Uh, yet there's a there's a retinas, there's like a reluctance to look in the in the backpack. Yeah. So you just keep getting heavier and heavier and then the head's blaming other things and basically it's just you know you took that bag off you'd feel lighter yeah so when people get relief like a sudden like a, like almost like an experiential relief it's because there's been a, a relaxing of a burden yeah and then there's the relief before uh burden and relief yeah it's a different kind of relief. Mm. That's almost ordinary because it's not an experience. It's more of a, an unsuspected state, so to speak, that we could live from a relief uh, from the burdens and relief. Yeah. That dynamic duality of I feel heavy, I want to feel lighter. Yes, it's on and on. And it just keeps feeding itself like a slinky going down a staircase because there is like a momentum. It's not a flat surface. It's going down the staircase. And so there's relief and then there's relief. They're different in some respects. Yeah. One isn't necessary and but essential, which is the relief prior to relief and burden. And then relief in certain situations is completely necessary. I mean, you gotta get some, the valve's gotta be loosened. And so people act out or other things happen. And then of course, everyone looks at it as something that it wasn't or isn't, but because they just, it was building up, they had a blow, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that relief is, and sometimes so situationally completely necessary. You really need it. The other relief is uh, it's almost like cent central cooling in a house. You just don't have one cold room. It's like central cooling in the house. You feel comfortable everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So.
So yeah, there's a relief. We call it traveling lighter. And that's not the relief from burdens. That's a relief from the whole relief and burden thing. Yeah, and this is what we speak of here. Uh, is this, they categorize it as duality, but it's, it's a shifting and a complementary and antagonistic movements, yes? Sort of like, uh, you know, a coin, no matter how many times you cut the coin, it's still two-sided, yeah? If it doesn't lose its cool, its coin uh, form, it's gonna always be two-sided. So here, duality is like a, the duality of seeing when the mental state interprets it is see or seen, yeah? So there's seeing, which is awareness of, and it doesn't uh, give relevance to a thing that you're aware of, there's just awareness of, yeah? So we call them things, but really they're appearances. Yeah? If you took uh, this chair out of here, the space wouldn't lose any or gain any weight or anything, yes? It was, this is an appearance in the space, yeah? So this appearance can be moved and now it's out of the space, yeah? But we're an appearance in the space, yeah? We're appearing in this space. If we walk away, it doesn't, it doesn't leave a void where they have to cut a certain amount of space, 6-1, and put it there quickly so no one sees it. It doesn't, we don't even, we don't really exist in regards to the space. We're appearing in it, yeah? If you weighed the space without us or with us, it would be the same. Yeah, yeah. So, it's appearance and disappearance, this relief, this bondage, this uh, coming together, uh, going apart, you know, hate, desire, all these movements are complementary and antagonistic, yeah? They, with, if there's one, there's gonna be the other. See, and what happened is people have worked hard, like Esther was saying, to try to put all the meaning on the one and try to deny the other, but it doesn't work, yes? It just always shows up, yeah? If this happens, suddenly do. So what's the, what's the axis of all the interpretation of the complementary antagonistic? It's us, yeah? It's like the seesaw, where the thing, the seesaw is resting on us. Boom, 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 boom. Now we believe we're the movement. So when we have a desire to go up to the top of the seesaw, when we arrive there, it becomes the bottom. This is why we say, you know, you heard about a great party, but when you get there, it sucks, yeah? So here, you wanna get to that place, but when you get there, it seems like the same old, same old place, yeah? So then you go, <laughs> it's just like this, this movement, it isn't us, we're the axis of it, yeah? And yet we believe we go, I wanna get away from this, so I run up there, and then it turns into this, and it just goes on and on. Have you ever seen the yin-yang symbol? The yin-yang is another, obviously, complementary antagonistic movement. And if one, if the yin goes to an extreme, it turns into yang. And if the yang goes to an extreme, it turns into yin. Yes? So they're, it's the, they're basically the same, but in different degrees. Same, same. If you could look at it, you would just see a circle. 
but we're more into, we're drawn to activity, so we see the movement in the circle, but the circle contains the both movements, yes? So the circle is of oneness, the movement seemingly is of two-ness. And the two-ness isn't really concrete because if one of the two-nesses goes so far, they turn into the other. So it just goes on and on and on, yeah. <laughs> So the head is, if you look at something, uh, you're more drawn to when something moves in it than the space that's just there, yeah? So we're more drawn, a bird flies by, yeah? So we're more, the head is drawn towards movements, so we don't see the stillness of the, of the context, yeah? Just like I don't believe a fish really knows it's in water, yeah? yet it's completely immersed in water. It only reacts to the water when it's out of it, where it flips out on the deck of the boat. Yeah. Now that's a that's a little bit late to get that message because you may not be thrown back in the water. You know they have laws now, but basically, if you're out of there, you may never get back in. So the, it would be probably behoove the fish to realize, you know, because you're seeing everything that's in the water coming to it. Hopefully, yeah. If there's some awareness or defense, they're seeing the crab move or this or that, but they're not seeing the context. They don't, because these eyes aren't there to see the context. They're there to see things and they, they get attracted and, and put off movement. So if there's something that I'm attracted to, I'm hoping it will move towards me and the shit that I'm not attracted to, I want it to move away. But all the while, it never leaves the circle. Like people miss, they see these are two things, but things put, form a shape, a circle, not the, like not like the teardrop thing. They actually also form the shape of a circle. So this is the dilemma with us because most of us are walking, wanting yin to be yang and yang to be yin. I used to notice it when I, I had a real bad time in a, down in Burlingame, East Bay, California, in a period of my life with addiction, really bleak, bleak games. Just there, living in motels near 101, you know, on the, on the uh, east side of 101. And so, you know, uh, I don't like Burlingame. I don't like that feeling. And so it's sort of like if you go to Thailand to get away from Burlingame, Thailand starts looking like Burlingame in a couple of weeks because it's you. It's not Burlingame or Thailand. You're giving Thailand the meaning it has. And if you something that's stubborn about giving meaning to things, Burlingame is going to look like Thailand pretty quickly. And very rarely do you get to see your role in it. You're like, wait a minute. And then if you run into a simple book, it's not a simple book, but a download that many people here have been across in miracles. I always say of miracles, but it's supposed to be in. And in there, they say a very important statement. In the beginning of their lessons, you know, they have lessons, a lesson a day, you do it for 365 days. Some people say you throw the book away then or whatever, it doesn't matter, but the second lesson is you and I give everything all the meaning it has. So I'm giving Burlingham, Burlingame the meaning, and I'm giving Thailand the meaning. 
wherever I'm, I am, Thailand's not really giving me a strong enough meaning to override my meaning I'm giving Thailand. Okay. And if you sit with a thousand people that have been in Thailand, they'll have thousands of different experiences about Thailand, even though Thailand is one land called Thailand. Yeah. So this is a subjective event. And the subjective event, hey, how are you? Uh, what's up? All right, you want you, you, you want to you want to sit down? All right, all right. So, yeah, there's a yeah. This is just a meeting we have, and then I think during the day, six thirty at night, they have an AA meeting here and stuff like that. But thanks. Man. So, yeah. So, you I do have a dollar. I think. Well, you can get really some, really something valuable, satsang. But we'll go with a dollar. Yeah, that's how I see it. I think I do. You have uh, any five? Uh, I only have a five. Anybody have a dollar? And yeah, yeah. Take it out of the donation. We're going to give you some donation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, when you short Paul, we give him money at the end. Yeah, we'll give it to. Yeah, give it to our friend. <laughs> All right, good luck, man. All right. Yeah. So, uh, see, now some people come and they get something from Satsang, <laughs> which is great. Probably the wiser move. Others come and they get nothing, but they keep coming back. He probably won't. See, so something's not all that it's cracked up to be. Yeah. It gets you on a train of getting something. But nothing is reliable. Really, nothing is reliable. If it comes to a conclusion that you are what you're looking for, that's going to lead to a relief before relief and burden. It is. If you see that the seeker is the sort, not the seeker and the sort, that's a very obviously subjective objective situation, which this message, this meeting is meant to negate. So the seeker and the sort is you show how it's drawn. That's how it's drawn. Sorry, I just muted you, Paul. I'm trying to mute somebody else. Can you hear me? I'm, I'm, I just unmuted, all right? Okay, thank you. We didn't miss the little, uh, we had a pilgrim come. Yeah. We had a pilgrim come to the meeting. Ooh. He's the first person who ever came to an AA, uh, satsang that left with something, a couple of bucks. Pretty good. All right, so this thing, where were we just now? Oh, the seeker and the sort which is usually how most classes and seminars are presented, yes? The seekers come in, and then hopefully someone talks about the sort. Yeah? And then the sort is described, and the seeker can only hear it from its own conceptual format, which is the problem. So now the problem is lending meaning to hearing about the solution, 
which just makes the solution a problem. Don't you see it? So now someone who's speaking for the sort is now describing what the sort is like and then hopefully will inspire the seeker to maybe do certain things that he wouldn't naturally do, like sitting 12 hours a day on his ass or something, to hopefully get to a point where I would get some of what I'm seeking from the sort, you know? So maybe I'll, and the only way I, <laughs> I've got no touchstone to see what's valuable or not. I'm just swinging it basically. So if you look like you got a loving gaze and long hair or whatever, and you move very slowly and, and okay, he's got something. So I want, let's see. One of the things, if Buddhism, it's equanimity. I'm looking for equanimity. I don't want to get too high. I don't want to get too low. I just want to be. And then sometimes you just go out. You flatline. <laughs> and you're so concerned about demonstrating any of that or any of this, you're dead to the whole circle. Yes, aren't you? Yeah. So this is a very, this compresses the whole hallway at the seminar school to the seeker is the sort, which hopefully you get into the, introduced to it before you go into the seminar school, because it's gonna save you a lot of time. The seeker is the sort, yeah, yeah. Or unlike a man standing in the river selling water, uh, I see you got a big pail, you think the sort, which is the water, is in there? I'm telling you, I'm a man standing in the river selling you water. You're going to buy some? Obviously, hopefully not. You'll realize you're in the fucking water. <laughs> hopefully. So the whole point of this message is many, really. But one of them is to uh, really stop questioning Burlingame in Thailand and just look at what's going on. I found it early on where... I looked at significant relationships and a lot of them in my book didn't work, whatever that meant. But I realized the one constant was me. It wasn't the uh, eight different women. <laughs> the one constant was me. And maybe instead of looking at their little inventory, I should maybe check out my role in things. And then when I started to check out my role in things, there was a persistent, uh, suspicion that something was going on after, uh, in me, you know, or as me, yeah? And that's something mostly located in the head coming to me with thoughts, you know, and then interpretations of feelings and stories of the past and definitely stories about a future, all concerning Paul as this action figure and things felt quite wobbly, yeah? I didn't feel like, uh, I had listened to this thing before and it ended me up in bad places. So I didn't really trust its counsel, but I didn't know, I didn't have any other station I could tune into. It was like K-Paul all the time. And it had its CNN branch, which was basically the Comedy Central branch. I was just, mistaking Comedy Central for CNN, and it was leading me into bad decisions constantly. <laughs> so, so, and then when I was led to these bad situations, 
that which led me there just took off. <laughs> it just flew over, like when I was laying in a hospital bed after being run over twice by a car, that sense of that selfing never landed for a few weeks. It just stayed in the corner, hovering, and it let, let the body and the, and, the, and, the, and the existence go through what was happening. Yeah. And I noticed uh, we had this, uh, we had an event of COVID in Italy, yeah? And uh, the COVID struck my lungs, yeah, whatever. Super cooking. And um, it was cooking and then I could, I, I had memory of it cooking that way, but then it passed any memory I ever had it. And then that which was, you know, trying to control the situation, uh, just jumped ship, <laughs> just fucking left. It was not a thought to go for like an hour of just fucking full on like this. The thing just put out, put down the captain hat and jumped into ship, just said, fuck it, just took off. <laughs> and I've seen it many times in these type of situations, it abandons the ship way before the ship goes down, <laughs> it just goes. Yet it was the one that led us into the rock. So I did have a very healthy suspicion, yes? And I had tried to get out of me as me. It hadn't worked, and that was very valuable. And then I was introduced to this message through a topic called non-dwelling, which Tyler got introduced to it that way, and a number of people here probably got introduced to it that way. And the non-duality, was unique because even when you heard it you could tell when it was coming in it didn't go down the familiar tube of getting completely digested and made into something that you could understand it's sort of just like stuck in your throat you know like a wrench in the works and you were like left in a lot of pauses where that which you call you stopped and there was something there <clears throat> awareness yeah and then you got a feeling of what was behind or before that which came after, which that's where I used to start from. So what I could see now through the talks of non-duality, I used to look from, yeah? And when I was looking from there, I did not see that which is seeing now. It didn't, never, yeah? Because it, it had no idea it was already here. So it was looking for something to come in that has never left. Yeah. So it's story about it not being here. I did something. I fucked up. Original sin. I made a big mistake. I should have stayed with the master, whatever. No, it never left. That's the dilemma. It's not like it left and it's because of you. It never left. It's right here, right now. And it's captured by a great yogic mantra called the uh, gone, gone, gone to the other shore. The other shore in Buddhism means, let's say, a light, uh, Satori or Samadhi or whatever. Gone, gone, gone to the other shore upon arriving on having never left. There you go, bingo. That's the whole spirit of non-duality, yeah? It's, an incre it's very moving, but it doesn't move anything. It's very moving, but nothing moves, yeah? It's you become aware of the obvious, let's put it that way. And then you're given some, a modicum of understanding, yeah? So that when the head, again, because it will, 
introduces itself as you to you, you'll see it with a very healthy suspicion. And you'll stop being framed by the thoughts. Yeah? So your 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 life will spill over the frames and become more muralistic, so to speak. Yes? So now the verbing of living seems a lot more intimate than the story of nouns and verbs. You know, you just feel like you're on constantly. And you're not pushing it or pumping gas in it or coaxing it. It's just come fucking bright in and of itself. Yeah. And so you notice uh, what they say in non-duality is true. That there is this presupposing of a non-existent thing being existing called Paul. And Paul, as this non-existent thing, mistaking the existence for this, wants to get salvation for Paul or wants to get joy for Paul or happiness for Paul or success, whatever. But here in this topic, salvation for Paul. If that's the case, and the master who said it assumed that was the case <laughs> because he predicated this statement as very, very, very mucho importante. We're so not knowing it, you probably will discover it by hearing the statement. That's what did with me. Yes? I didn't exactly know how the heist was going, but then as soon as a, a previous person who got heisted explained it to me, I saw the heist. Yeah. So the presupposing a non-existent thing. Uh, so now Paul starts. So why? But there's a presupposing of the non-existent thing before Paul starts. Paul is like the emblem to the the idea of a non-existent thing. This body. Yeah. But it was presupposed before this even appeared. Now, what the hell, what ballpark is that? What's going on there? So there's a presupposing of this idea. And now this idea starts looking to get relief as the idea. If that's the case, the spiritual practices that this idea is using are reinforcing the idea. How can they destroy the idea? So you're wanting to get out of Paul is a huge slice of being in Paul, which I had no freaking idea of until I did. And when I did, I've never not seen it that way. It's pretty good. Yeah. Just saw it flat out, saw it. It was obvious. Yeah. And then it beget more situations, the same thing, where I would be reading something and it would stop me and I'd have to there would be like a mini review that would go over maybe 60 years, 50 years, just, and it would say, hey, self's been trying to get out of self since I've been six years old. <laughs> what? Yeah. You mean it wasn't all about me? No, it's, you can't escape from an imaginary place. That's why it's failed. Yeah. The great wisdom of no escape is you can't escape from an imaginary place. So what happens? You stop trying to escape. Yeah. And then you start seeing all that which is implied by all those plans of escape and you realize you're not that. And now you're relieved from the burden or the bondage of wanting to escape all the time. Yeah. I mean, I've checked out since I was 13. 
in this life, checked out through drugs, checked out through meditation, checked out through tons of shit. And I'll tell you, I've been anchored here now for years, <laughs> just based on the fact I can't get out of the, an imaginary place. So, so basically, whammo, here you are. And one of the qualities of being here that override all of this, like the, the specifics, it's an ever constant presence and an availability. That's it. Yeah. You're always on sleeping, dreaming. And I don't see there's an off switch, really. And you start living before your life starts, as the story, yeah? You start living from what's before that, instead of trying to live as that which is being narrated. Because it never really fit. It just caused an itch and irritability, restlessness, discontent. I was on ease. My basic leanings were trying to get out this stuff, yes? and. Uh, you know, manicuring or cutting, like picking the fruit and cutting the leaves and then the branches wasn't going anywhere. It's constant maintenance and work. Always, always failing. Always. Just like Esther was saying. This was uh, the urban renewal project called Paul got canceled. And a lot of the budget was going to that urban renewal project and it went to different it was put to way better use. So that which was enslaving me to this idea of in and out as Paul now enriches my day. Yeah. I'm not looking much in this day, maybe a coffee. That's about it. Yeah. I have, you know, I don't have, but there's contentment and satisfaction, which really chills a lot of activity out because most of us are trying to get something that we don't believe we have. Obviously, that's what's motivating the seeking. But if you are what you're looking for, you'll find out uh, very intimately. It doesn't, I don't want anyone to believe this or no one or ever, you know, it's an invitation. But if this invitation's for you, it's gonna be quite intimate because it's going to become, it's going to be like, you're going to be fish, you know, fishing, you're going to be fishing, yet now you'll be aware of the water and it's going to change how you go, how you travel in this, in this ocean. It will, it brings a certain quality, uh, I would say from the of, that you can't find in the in. This is what's so demoralizing and dissatisfying, just like Buddhism 101, because we're all like tantrum babies, would just say why you're not happy here is you're looking for something to give you lasting satisfaction that's temporary, you know? Cry your crocodile tears, but that's the fact. Buddhism is pretty straightforward, yes? It says, why are you suffering? It's desire. What's a desire? Well, to me, the original desiring is desiring to be a self. Long land, sitting, independent, separate thing that's super unique and very special. Yeah, and that desire causes a lot of fucking dis disease and anxiety. 
And then we try to get relief, not from that Paul, because Paul is the embodiment of the desire of being self. Paul is that embodiment, yeah? So attempting to use the desire to get out of the desire doesn't work. So we recognize that, yes? So we see, I'm not going to stop that, but I'm not that which is doing that. It's the mental state that is addicted to this idea of self. I am not the mental state, yeah? The mental state needs help, yes. And, may, and what I needed was how to behave at least for 24 hours so I wouldn't get arrested every day. I learned I'm not a social... Uh, I obey whatever. <laughs> I live like a Roman does in Rome to the pretty much, yeah? So <laughs> when that was taken care of, uh, this relief and contentment could just uh, grow in a sense. Because my life looked a little more aligned to it than it did earlier, shooting coke and shit. Yes? I don't see many people shooting coke and then going to a meditation retreat. It just doesn't go well. Yeah? They're a little antsy and uh, you probably hide something in the Zafu. No one's looking. <laughs> I swear that probably someone has done that. Where's the holy water? <laughs> I'm having a spiritual experience. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sorry I'm floating again. So, yeah, anyone have any questions here? You see it? It's simple, isn't it? It's simple. We don't want to set the thoughts out on something. We want to see who's the thinker. Yeah. Forget about the thoughts or managing, putting them in here or there. Just see, because the thoughts don't have that much meaning. The thoughts are like a pickup that has the ability, like a quarter ton. It can't hold much. But if we, we call it, if we call uh, one of the thoughts the thinker, now that thinker puts a lot of meaning to all the other thoughts. Yes? And those meanings, a thought if held by you, could ruin your day. It won't ruin my day, but the same thought held as my thought here could ruin my day. So it's obviously not the thought, yes? It's us. It always gets back to us because this is a subjective experience. No one's, nothing here is overriding you. You're giving everything the meaning it has. It can be that extreme where you believe that time you got pulled over by the cops was the worst thing that ever happened to you. And then you finally get introduced to recovery and then you'll see it as the best thing that ever happened to you. What was it? Was it the worst thing or the best thing? It was neither. You gave it the meaning it had. So now you hear these cryptic little ideas and they start illuminating life. The narration of your life is like a yellow little thing that illuminates instead of that fucker she disappointed me. No, it illuminates other things. And there's a revelation in the living. And you've had all the evidence you've ever needed to see this, but something triggers it. Something bundles it and puts the pages right so you're not reading the first page at the 800 position, you know? And then it makes fucking sense. It's a it's not of the mental logic, but it's a logic. Yeah, and it's seamless. Yeah. And it's arrived there by negating any need or drive to arrive there. So, all right, everyone here is cool.
Hey, uh, yes. Bask in the satsang. Yes. Any so anyone have a question here? Uh, yeah, Angie just put her hand up. Hi, Angie. Oh. Angie. Angie, that was fast. We just just took like two breaths, and there it is. Question. All right, Angie. Can you hear? If you if you can't hear, tell me, and I'll try to repeat. Yes, I can hear. Hi, everyone. Hey. Hi, Paul. So I, I liked uh, how you said it about the constant presence. Uh, I was just in the backyard cutting some dried branches and leaves and uh, listening to you. And uh, sometimes people say, you know, you have to practice mindfulness and just be present with your doing. Uh, but you could be present even when you're multitasking. Tasking, <laughs> you know, like you know, you're listening. You know, your hands are doing the task, and and that's exactly as you said. Like even when I don't do anything, I'm, I I feel the presence. It's not that uh, it goes anywhere. <laughs> even when I daydream, it it's still there's still a presence there. <laughs> yes, so, uh, I like the. You are the presence. <laughs> that's it. Yes, so you don't have to do. You don't have to force yourself to be present. <laughs> most people would like to force themselves not to be present. Isn't that mostly the case? I think people yeah. on a mental level and in the mental world, we like not to be fucking present. Yeah, we don't want to be present at two in the morning when the head is going off and we're taking them to be incredibly important about shit that hasn't even happened yet. Yeah, yeah. most people's desire is to go unconscious i feel i do yeah but when you realize it's so simple that you're just there you don't need to do anything you know you yes. are yeah there's a doing and then you you're there and you know that's uh you're you're present there's no nowhere else you could be <laughs> i'll tell you angie if you ever go into the business of sharing don't go into the realm of mindfulness. <laughs> Don't say anything. I remember the first time I brought that up in Massachusetts, I lost the room. <laughs> it was a lot of investment in mindfulness. I said, yeah, like, you know, a certain mind, way how, could mind, how could mind be more mindful than it already is? <laughs> it's completely mind, <laughs> meaning big M mind. But hey, yeah. yeah. See, because honey, Angie too. If anything, we should maybe forget us, about it. Unbeknownst to us, there's beliefs. So there's a belief that we can be unconscious. There's a belief that we cannot be in the moment. There's a belief that when I when the head thinks about next week, I can pretty much be in next week. Therefore, I have proven to myself I can be out of the moment. Yeah. So what I need to do is get mindful of this moment to keep trying to anchor this boat that wants to stray out of the harbor. Yeah, makes complete yeah. sense. But the boat, yes, has nothing has gone. The presence is the present. It's not your present. It's presence. Yeah. Yeah. So therefore, you get to you see an absurdity 
in a, in a structure of beliefs. And when you look at them, the thing collapses. And there you are, here, as always. And I'm telling you, you may have thought you were completely somewhere else. And if you look at the fucking surveillance cameras, there you are. Yeah, there you are. I was in next week. No, there you are, Monday, 9.30, right there. No, I was, I was in... I was back in Italy. No, you're not back in Italy. There you are in fucking Burlingame. I've got something with Burlingame today. <laughs> Burlingame, 9.30. Yes? Yeah? yeah. So what happens to me, yeah. the understandings of non-duality, they bring into stark contrast, they bring light into the arena, and the misunderstandings are brought out and you see them. You see them as, to me, when I saw these books about how to get into the moment. And then the second edition would be how to really get into the moment. And the third edition is how to, how to really, oh, you can never stay in the moment, but how to really, really stay a while in the moment. Yeah, it was super clear. That drive, desire for that book and that condition was, was based on a belief that that condition wasn't available now. That I was in a condition that I'm not, that predicated my seeking to get into this other condition, which I've never left. Now, this was one example. Then I started to see the whole board lit up and I could see most of my thinking is in bizarro world. I'm trying to get out of what I'm not in and I'm trying to get into something I'm not out of. Seriously, yeah? What are you gonna do? Uh, nothing, you just let it crawl, you know, crash over you and see what's left when the water recedes, yeah? See what happens, because a lot of your shit's gonna get washed away. You're gonna see these understandings are not understanding something, yeah? The, when the seeker and the sort is compressed to the seeker is the sort, it's taking out space and time completely. The seeker is the sort. Space and time is like the playground of the mental condition. You give it a little inch, it'll make miles. You give it a second, it'll make years. Yes? Yes? Yes. The beautiful thing of non-duality is like, oh, the seeker, the seeker, maybe, could be, will be, uh, it's the sort. No, it's the seeker is the sort. It collapses immediately. It takes no relevance in space or time, yeah? This is venerated. It's over doorways, the seeker and the sort. You're now entering the temple of the sort, ye seeker. No, boom, seeker is the sort, bamo, yeah? Now you see the beautiful artwork, the mosaics. Great, this is so fucking cool, yeah? But I ain't no seeker. <laughs> and there is no sort. It's beautiful to have that. It's like when I was in Turkey and those guys were selling me rugs, but they, and they were incredible salespeople and the rugs were beautiful, but I didn't have a house. I didn't have a F-L-O-O-R anywhere that I could remember. So I had a complete immunity to all their fucking temptations and presentations of how great a rug would be. I didn't have anywhere to put it. So I was free from the enticement. When the sirens of Ulysses sang, I just kept looking straight. 
because there was no interest in it. And then they said, we can fold the rug up and then put it in your backpack and then you can take it to Thailand. I go, no, that's, don't you see how absurd that fucking <laughs> Thailand, I'm gonna, where am I gonna put out in the jungle, the oriental rug, it gets mange and mold in like a day. No, no, uh, we'll ship it to you. I don't have, there's no to me. I don't live anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you can send it to United Airlines only, and they'll... I only buy it when I can fly on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is sort of what the, the, I hope the understanding of non-duality, there'll be a being convinced and then those things don't change when your head changes or your emotion changes or your physical or circumstantial conditions change. These principles don't change. They're fucking reliable. Yes? So, yes. So, yes. And then the other thing is it just feels like it, it, it's enough, you know, whatever is happening. So even when there's desire, that, that desire by itself is enough. It's like it, oh, yeah. it's required to be satisfied for it to just be enough in the... <laughs> him to be as it is enough for you in that moment. Well, yeah, there was a famous uh, story about this young writer and his friend took him to this very successful writer's house. And they went there and the this successful writer had unbelievable cars in the garage, incredible shit. And the guy goes, man, this is incredible. What do you think? He says, well, oh, I said, uh, he says, well, I have enough, the other guy. And enough had the, as much value as everything in that house, you know? When you have enough, when there's a point where, okay, I get it. Yes, I'm never going to get it. <laughs> I have enough of hearing that. I have enough of trying to turn what is a fact and being as an experience. I give that up and you just, things just get, it's like these tributaries that your delusional activity of the head kept feeding dry up. Yeah. They just dry up on their own because the interest and attention leaves these insane ideas. You just don't, they don't hold any merit anymore. You're just like, no one's gonna tell me I'm out of a fucking moment and I gotta use that to get back into the moment. There's, there's no way, there's, there's no way. You could hit me, you could have holographs of whatever appearing Hanuman and everyone else, and I would just probably, yeah, wait till they did their thing and walk home. Yeah, because it's this is what happens. You finally see. Yes? Yeah, so thanks, Angie. Thank you. Well, yes, because we are the active hypnosis all day. The head is talking to us as if it's us. That's why it's captured our attention. Because somehow it's, it's, there's a manufactured umbilical cord that these thoughts and these feelings are mine. Yeah? This is what probably happened to Ulysses. He thought he left something that was his on that island. And when the sirens started to sing, they said, hey, you left your wallet. And then you get sucked up the ass of the sirens. Yeah? You get to a point that which is interested in going back to the island isn't you. You don't change its interest. You just see you're not that which is 
represented by the interest because the interest has been claimed. The interest to go back to the island has been claimed by the mental state to imply you. That's the rug that's taken out from everything. It's not like you got to stop being interested in going back to the island. You just don't own the interest. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful because it, if that's not seen, what happened with Esther is going to keep happening. You're going to hear descriptions of what you are as the absolute space, and then you're not going to feel like you measure up. And who wants to hear more shit about that's going to be used to see that we don't measure up? People hear enough. They're tired of it. So this is a relief from all that. Yes, There's a burden to hear about you as an absolute loving fucking everything. What the head does with that makes it a burden, just like what it's done with the word awakening enlightenment. A lot of damage gets produced by the claiming of enlightenment by the mental state, because now it measures you and you're at a loss once again. You know what I mean? Then goes over every movement you ever made that wasn't towards enlightenment, that was away from enlightenment. And there's an owning, I'm the one who wants to be away. You know, it's just insane. And then there's a lot of <laughs> this is relief from all that relief yeah you're a Toyota you're not a chariot of the gods when this engine runs there's not going to be a spirit of the engine that flies away and goes into a Rolls Royce it's part of the end the whole thing ends the voice box that says I'm not really there's many of me to come in the future no it just dies when the body dies the voice box, you pull the string, I'm a real, no, it's not a real person. It was all in the whole thing. <laughs> and then people are so concerned about reincarnation, they're not looking at the impossibility of incarnation. Yeah, there's a big assumption when we get into talking about reincarnation is that we incarnated already. <laughs> this message says there's been no incarnation. <laughs> <laughs> it's an appearance. You mean I'm going to reappear? Yes. It sounds better when you go, I'm going to reincarnate. No, you're going to reappear <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> the Russian Paul, the Maoist Paul. <laughs> where's that? Where's that tail? Right. Just be running after the tail. Yes. Hey, that's it, eh? I'm getting cooked here. I thought I, I made, I made a bad position in the uh, talk. I'm in the sun. All right, Mike. Anyone else? Esther, oh, yes. Uh, not yet. Uh, Chris, Chris mentioned a, a good word: non-carnation. Non-carnation. <laughs> That's like condensed milk. Non <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> I want condensed milk, but non-carnation. <laughs> and something you said made me think of how you could put the rug thing together. If, if I'm not, if I'm not buying a rug, then I can let it pulled out. Let it be pulled out from under the me. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're living as if it's already pulled out from underneath you. You're living on the hardwood floor. <laughs> <laughs> the rug wasn't really doing much. 
It was the floor <laughs> holding us up. I thought it was the rug. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. There's, what time is it, bro? I don't. I've lost all sense of whatever. Uh, Get ready for a coffee, though. It's one fifty. They. I owe them ten more minutes. That's my contract. These are the hardest ten minutes of my no time day. All right. Any more questions? Um, no hands up. Nope. Uh, oh, Esther is raising her hand in the in the square. All right, Esther. Come on. Well, I just wanted to say that um, I used to, um, like I said, have a lot of tough, tough time sleeping. And I noticed um, I would be on the phone all over the world with like 20 to 40 people trying to um, get out of what I wasn't in, but I didn't know that I was searching. And um, now when I wake up, I um, will either hear the myself say, you know, like, um, well, there's just thinking, there's no thinker. And then I start laughing and then I can fall back asleep or I'll read a, a chapter from your book. Um, and then, like I said, there's this relief and the sleeping happens and this is a big deal. And I just have to thank you so much. Um, you, this message has changed um, my life and Alan's life. And um, we're just so grateful. Oh, oh, and then I wanted to say one more thing. When I saw you in Bryn Mawr um, that year, yes. I asked you a question for Alan, and you said that everything would have to fail for him to figure it out. And it was the perfect thing for us to hear because it was so. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, everything has value. A lot of things have value by failing them. Yeah. So you stop relying on something else to be what you already are for you. Yeah. Yeah, it works, honey. Great. Thank you for that. I think I should, uh, I should put one of the uh, potentialities of the talks as it combats insomnia. Maybe we'll get some more uh, donations. I'll start, I'll start speaking at uh, sleep deprivation places <laughs> just listen to a couple of five minutes of me you'll be out cold <laughs> i don't care what it does i would i see that it's traveling light up fucking great <laughs> oh we're gonna have a massive seminar of all our followers and they'll be asleep in 10 minutes <laughs> oh. Hey, listen, I know, I know uh, this is what, when we were talking about earlier of, of being really unconscious is a lot of people's desire because just that where people can't get to rest or sleep because the head is active and, uh, and because of the, the seeming relationship that's built up, we're sucked in, yeah? But what happens with me now, if I wake up in the middle of the night, I like stay, I just lay there. It's pretty cool. Especially last night where I lived, the, the wind was going off and we have these chimes and I was just, it was so cool. It was just, nothing was going on and I could just lay there and yeah. So after a while you learn not to fight, 
not to fight it or whatever, and you end up, there's value there. Because the body can rest. The head doesn't have to always rest. The body can rest without the head, yeah? It goes into us like us. You can tell sometimes uh, there's a sympathetic nerve system and then there's another one. And sometimes when that kicks in, you start gurgling, stomach starts going, popping and stuff because it's a deep physical relief and you can be wide awake. Yeah, yeah, so. All right, thanks. Thanks, Esther. Thank, and say hello to Alan. Thank both of you. Yeah. Anyone else, Mike? Oops. Uh, yes, Esteban. Hi, Esteban. Hey, how are you? Thank you, Paul. You hear me? Yes, yes. I, I just want to share that uh, the message is, is shooting the sheriff. My, my nightmare has been for many years the policeman. So um, I, I want to thank you because he's, you, you, you have shot the sheriff. Oh, great. We shot the sheriff. <laughs> I'll have to explain it to you here. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Paul. Right. Well, to me, living under the thief and the policeman, the, uh, the thief had some uh, perks that were <laughs> better than under the policeman. The policeman, the word perfection came and there was a lot of demand to be perfect and that was impossible. So, yeah. So when we use the word policeman and thief, it's a simple thing of uh, the two sides of the coin of self, let's say. So maybe at one point something has run wild in you and then you become somewhat conscious of that. And then you call, let's say, you call that the thief. And now there's another aspect of the same coin that suddenly takes the role of the policeman concerning the thief. And now you get punished for all your trespasses and, and something's constantly on the lookout for the thief to reappear, all the while being the thief dressed as the policeman. Yeah. So when he said, shoot the policeman, it's sort of fantastic. Yeah. Or like they say, if you see the booter on the road, shoot him, kill him. Yeah, beautiful, actually, to hear it. So, uh, yeah. So thank you, Esteban. I'm really happy that you've shown up and uh, you're adding a lot to this and you're a nice part of the mix. Yes? Yeah. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, Mike, I think we're going to end unless you send me some uh, sunscreen soon. <laughs> Nobody there has any? Uh, they're not willing to give me any, you know, you know how it, you know how it is. Yes. All right, bro. I'm going to say goodbye. Eh? Esther and Alan. Thank you, Esther. And I'm sorry I didn't get back to you, but, uh, yeah. Oh, we've got, uh, I can't see Stuart. I see that Mike. I see William. Nice to see you, William. I think I, uh, I can't see who that is, but, and Vlad, nice to see you, Vlad. Esteban, oh, let me take these off, maybe better. Oh, Chris, oh, it was Gary, Gary C., the man from the corner. Hi, Paul. Hey, bro. Alan, thanks, for, and, and Gary and Alan and all these people who donate, thank you so much. It's, it allows me to keep my lavish lifestyle.
it's working. I could upgrade the people I hang out with a little, but hopefully that'll come. Uh, we got Vlad, we got Chris G, Alan, Michael, Deborah. Deborah was on sabbatical, she's back now, it's very nice. We got Paul H. Paul H didn't say anything today. It's just like I like it, it's nice. He contributed by chat. Sherry, uh, Ben, uh, let's see, Richard H. We got John in Florida. Mia, Mia was, uh, we miss Mia. We miss, so uh, they're all dying for chocolate and shit, which I don't have any. But I want to come and visit soon. I, I miss you too, but good to see you on Zoom. Uh, all right, Bye. see you. Bye. Bye. Mickey, nice as always. Oh, Linda S. Stevenson, very nice. Michael Sherman. Uh, Shane, is that Shane? Yes, Shane, London. Oh, Shane, London. Yeah, nice all right. Hey, there's Chris over here. Hey, Shane. Hey, Chris, Hi, Chris. how's the guy, mate? <laughs> See ya. Yeah. And there's Stacy, another one. Oh, very nice. They're coming back after the shock of whatever. <laughs> Linda Stevenson, nice to see you, Linda. Tariq, Chris, Stefan on having never left. Uh, we've got, oh, John. John is still in Italy. John, hey, John. John. Chris. Yeah. Hey. Hey, hey he's up? still up for adoption, John. <laughs> I mean, he gave him a good spin, I think. Uh, yeah. We want to get rid of him, basically. Yeah, I'll bust him. All right, we got Roman. Great. I got to just say hello to these folks. Uh, Lisa, another one. There she is. Nice to see her. She's in her car. We got Jack. He's uh, Jack is right in front of Ramana Mahashi. Don't look back. <laughs> Angie, as always. Yeah, Angie, I've seen you. Uh, the smiles keep coming, Angie. That's great. Yeah? Yes. That, that pressure is off. Uh, we've got Lisa, another Lisa, Holly, Lucas, Senna, Dave B and Mandy, Upstate Brittany, Miar. Uh, I'm reading what it says. Uh, we've got Jim. Oh, there's Jim. Nice to see you, Jim. Nice to see you as well. Thank you. You're welcome. And uh, everyone, if I missed anybody, thanks so much. We'll see you soon. Hey, you got to end with a warning. No driving while listening to the message. No driving while listening to the message? Right. Because you'll oh. fall asleep. Oh, no, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. All right, bro. I'll see you. See you guys. Bye. See you Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Paul. Yeah.